All right, what's up, y'all? How we doing? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try that again, okay? This is the part where I come on and ask you in Bakersfield. you got to show up here, okay? What's up, y'all? How we doing? Okay, a little bit better. Hey, if you have your Bibles with you, let me see them up in the air. Let me see them. Let me see them. Let me see them, okay? Let me tell you this. You're going to need this book all week, okay? Like Jeb said up here, we're going to be in chapel at nights and sometimes in the mornings, and I want you to have this book with you, okay? Because this this place, Hume Lake Christian Camps, this place is awesome. And you have some talented actors up here performing some incredible skits. Like, I'm, I'm literally walking on broken glass right now. That's how epic this place is. And these movies are awesome, and you're going to have a fun time at camp. I promise you that. But as we dive into this story, I want you to know that this book right here, this is the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety. That this book right here is 66 books written by 40 different authors on three continents in three different languages, written over a span of about 2,000 years that all tells one story. So as we watch this skit and as we watch these movies, I want us to track in the book of Exodus what's happening on screen here and then, and then where we see it play out in God's great story. Okay, so if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to dive into Exodus chapter 3 here in just a minute. Hey, like Jeb said, um, my name is Austin, and I'm going to be with you guys here all week. Uh, I'm, I was actually born in the Bay Area, so we got some, we got some Bay Area folks up in here, right? So I'm at... I'm a diehard uh, San Francisco Giants fan. Yeah. I know, I know, okay? I'm also, I'm also a diehard Raiders fan. Yeah. Which, which I'm here to testify, it is possible to love Jesus and root for the Raiders. Am I right? Okay? Um, it's possible. And, and I'm a bandwagoner Warriors fan. So if you're NBA fans out there, I, more, more Raiders and Giants, but so I was born in the Bay. I spent about seven years of my life up in Lake Arrowhead. Um, I'm the youngest of four kids. Where am I youngest at? Youngest, youngest in the house, youngest, youngest. Okay, everybody knows being the youngest in the family is the best, right? I'm the baby of the four. If you don't agree now, just wait. I promise, I promise, just wait. Um, and when I was about seven years old, my family left Lake Arrowhead uh, we moved down to a place called Quito, Ecuador, and I spent most of my life down in Ecuador as a missionary kid. In uh, summer of 1999, I was seven, going into second grade, and moving from Lake Arrowhead to Ecuador didn't mean a whole lot to me at the time, right? As a seven-year-old, when your family picks up and move, you just go, cool. Like, it was a different sport, a different place, but like, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. But growing up, I loved growing up in Ecuador. It, it was a it's an incredible country. It has a lot of diversity. It's about the size of Colorado, but it's got beaches and Amazon jungle and huge volcanoes and mountains. But the main thing I remember from as a kid being there, we had, we had a lot of pets around. We had uh, two parrots named Dumb and Dumber. Um, <laughs> true story, true story. We had a cat named O'Malley. We had a dog named Seamus. And then one day... Uh, you ever overhear your parents having a conversation that you kind of start eavesdropping in because it's intriguing in some way, shape, or form? Um, this, was, this was back in the day when we used to have things called landlines, and my dad picked up the phone that rang that was 
connected to the wall. I know, it's weird, okay? And he picks up the phone and he starts, he starts saying the word monkey, like repeatedly. And so me and my siblings go, we like start listening, and my dad does one of these things. He goes, hey, because uh, he sees us all four kids gathered. He goes, hey, do you guys want a monkey? And we're like, what kind of question is that? Like, yes. Like, the answer is absolutely yes. And so my, my dad, one of his friends, had brought home a monkey from the Amazon jungle, and his wife said, absolutely not. That thing's not coming in my house. But here's the kicker. My mom was out of town, okay? So my dad goes, y'all want a monkey? We go, yes. Family decision, we get a monkey. And so it was his, he was like a little pocket marmoset monkey with a white Fu Manchu mustache, like the size of a squirrel. And we brought him home and we put him in my dog's cage with like a stick and a leaf to recreate what he was used to, of course. And we had a pet monkey and we were standing around and we go, well, what do we name him? And all my siblings, we get together and we're like, um, let's name him Chime, which in a local tribal dialect means monkey. <laughs> I know, I know. We were brilliant kids, but we, we had a lot of pets growing up, a lot of kids, like a lot of, it was just like kind of chaos in my household at all times. But I lived down there until I was about 18 years old. I graduated high school. I came back to California. I went to Biola University. Um, I played soccer at Biola, studied biblical and theological studies. And then I actually got to work here at this place called Hume Lake Christian Camps. And I did a couple summers up here in, in Meadow Ranch, which is the junior high camp. Um, if some of you come this summer, that's where you'll be. And then uh, in the summer of 2016, I met my wonderful wife Paige up here at Hume. And we have been married for about three and a half years now. We have an 18 month old named Piper. Um, she is the world's best child. I know I'm slightly biased, but she's just, she's just a bundle of fun. We have an Australian Shepherd and they wrestle all the time. This morning, I, I kid you not, I'm gone for five days, right? Unfortunately, they're not with me, but I'm gone for five days and I'm walking out the door and I'm like, bye Piper, like, can I get a big hug? And she just goes, bye-bye, right? And turns around and goes back to grandma and just like plays with Play-Doh. And I'm like, all right, okay, I'll see you in five days. And so she's just, she's the absolute best. I wish they were up here and you could meet them. Uh, but I, I love this place uh, called Hume. I, I got to drive that road right, that windy road today and turn in and see the lake and it just feels, for me, it feels like this place is like, it's like sacred, right? And there's something about Hume, there's something about the air here, there's something about walking around in the pine trees that I just, I love Hume. But one of my favorite things, friends, about this place, one of my favorite things, if I can be honest with you, is this a safe space? Can I be vulnerable here? One of my favorite things about this place is there's no cell service. Somebody was like, somebody was like, Jesus. It probably should be that, right? But for me, it's no cell service. It's like, it's the fact that I can walk around and I, I just, unless I'm connected to Wi-Fi or something, it's like, I just, I'm not distracted in the same way that I am in everyday life, right? But how many of you have a smartphone? Just out of curiosity, how many of you have some sort of Android, iPhone, smartphone, okay, something like that. Okay, now keep your hand up, keep your hand up, if you've ever walked into anything looking at that smartphone, be honest, be honest, okay? You've pulled one of these, you've pulled one of these. Wham, ow, right, bonk your hands. Okay, okay, true story, true story. 
Me and my friends were sitting around recently at this like outdoor strip mall and we're sitting, um, hanging out like you do. Stay with me. We're sitting around hanging out and we, we look up and we go, hey, 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 check out this lady. We, me and my friends, we, we, call them, we call them distracted walkers, okay? So we call them. So I go, hey, hey, look at this walker. Look at her, look at her. And she's doing this. She's like on her phone. She's like, <laughs> texting. And she's got her just like locked on her phone. And I'm like, I'm sitting over here. I'm like, hey, 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 I'll bet you five bucks she doesn't see that fountain. <laughs> promise you, promise you. My buddy's like, she sees the fountain peripheral vision, ever heard of it? And I'm like, okay, five bucks on the table. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, homegirl goes, boom, hits her shins on the side of this thing and just tea, full tea kettle, just straight into this fountain. Phone, purse, shopping bags, everything straight into the fountain. And we're like, ooh, somebody should probably help her. Five bucks, <laughs> right? Like, it was this gnarly moment, okay? But here's the reality, like so many of us, friends, so many of us, like maybe you've never fallen into a fountain, but so many of us walk through life as sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, like you, you walk through life, myself included, and as an adult, I walk through life so distracted sometimes. And it's, it's really easy to walk through life, whether it's your phone or music or a friend group or a sport or whatever's happening next weekend or what you're going to eat tonight or, you know, what's, you know, trending or what's on TikTok or what's on Instagram or did I get a like or am I talking, like, whatever it is, it's so easy, friends. It's so easy to walk through life distracted and that's why it's one of my favorite things that we get to come up here and like I said, I promise you, you're going to have fun this week. But it's so easy to walk through life really, really distracted. And what I want to invite you into this week as we dive into this story is without your phone and away from home for a week, my encouragement my challenge, my invitation this week is to not distract the person next to you. It's not to be a distraction yourself. It's not to fiddle your way through chapel. It's not to zip up and down the entire time the jacket that you're wearing. It's not to think about if you can go to the bathroom and when you can go to the bathroom. And like my encouragement is what we're, when we're here in chapel to be all in. When you're watching these videos, watch the videos because I promise you, these videos aren't just entertaining. If you know the story of Moses, are they entertaining? Heck yeah. But if you know the story of Moses, you can start picking up on these pieces and go, ah, Phineas Rowe, Pharaoh, ah, Mo, Moses. Okay, I'm, I'm starting to pick up what they're trying to talk through. And we're going to open up God's word. And my encouragement and my challenge is don't miss this, friends. Don't miss what God has for you this week. Because if you're anything like me, when I was in junior high, I was going to a private Christian school. And I was living in a Christian family, and I was attending youth group, and I had been around it at all, and I had come to camps like this before, but if you're anything like me, it was really easy to float through a week like this and go, mm-hmm, for sure, I've heard it before. God, check. 
Yeah, no, the Bible. Yep, for sure. Christian camp. And maybe even like one of your counselors asks you a question about God, and you might even be able to answer that question. You might, you might be able to answer 10 questions in a row, but my encouragement, friends, is don't miss this week. I believe wholeheartedly that the God of this Bible, the God who authored this Bible, Jaira himself, has a divine appointment with each and every one of you in this room. And my question is, are you going to miss it? Or are you going to stand in the presence of God and boldly, maybe even with your palms open, just ask God the question, God, what do you have for me this week? Would you teach me this week? Okay, so I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to dive into Exodus chapter 3. I want to open up his book, and I want to ask that he would speak to us this week, because I believe, friends, that the God of this Bible, the story that we're about to read, the story that we just saw dramatized in front of us, it's not just a story about what happened, it's a story about what happens. Because our God He's not a God that lives here at Hume. He's not a God that was once upon a time in Israel or in Egypt. He's an alive and active God. He's the same yesterday as he was today as he will be tomorrow. He's an eternal God. And so pray with me and then let's dive into the text. Father, thank you for this place. God, thank you for Hume and the 75 years that you have been actively working in this place to change lives, to impact your kingdom. God, I thank you for your word, God, that we can open it freely and we can dive in, God, and you choose to reveal yourself. You've chosen to make yourself known. God, would we here tonight, would we seek to understand you more? God, would we pursue and chase after you because your word promises that if we chase after you, God, that you will be found and that if we seek you, we will find you. God, thank you for loving us first. God, our response tonight is to draw near to you, to open up your word. God, would you teach us? We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Okay? Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 says this. I should probably be there myself. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? Okay, pause, look up at me. This is what we saw in the live drama, and then this is what we saw in the movie again. Remember Moses? And he, there's the, the rock that had all the, the smoke coming out of it. And then remember Moses in, in the video, he draws near to that rock and he comes up to it and he sees with the, the visualization of this burning bush, right? Imagine this, friends. Imagine you were like, got released from chapel and you're walking back to your cabin and then you just see this pine tree and it's just like engulfed in flames, and, but it's like not burning up. Like the tree next to it isn't catching. It's not burning up like you've seen wood burn up before. It's just like engulfed in flames. How many of us would just like stop and look at that tree and be like, huh, that's weird. Anyways, right? And just like keep walking. No, I love that the Bible says this. I love that, that Moses literally says out loud, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? I love that the Bible puts things like that in it. Then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, and God called to him from within the bush, and he says, Moses, Moses. Okay, two things I want to point out here really quick. Number one, God waited for Moses 
to draw near to him and then chooses to speak to him. Okay, this is, this is so stinking important. Okay, and I said this before I prayed, but friends, I, I'm gonna say this all week until you can repeat it back to me. The Bible is not just a story about what happened. The Bible is a story about what happens. Okay, let's try it all together. The Bible is just not just a story about what happened. The Bible is a story about what happens. Good. So what does that mean? It means that we can bank on the character of God. If he always has been and always will be, then how he acted with his people back then is how he acts with his people today. So when he says, when God waits for Moses to draw near and then chooses to speak to him, this is why I can stand here so confidently and say, friends, I believe wholeheartedly that the God of the Bible is a God that pursues And he is a God that has a divine appointment for every single one of you this week. But the reality is, is God is a God of love and forced love is not love at all. And so, so often the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, Jaira, waits for us to take a step towards him because he has already, in the greatest story ever told, demonstrated what love is, and love is his first step towards us through the person of Jesus. And we're gonna see this this week, but God acted first, and now it's on us to respond in the same way that God acts through the burning bush and then waits for Moses to respond. And then once Moses, is, Moses responds, God says, Moses, Moses. Okay, and here, if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. Write down Moses, Moses equals relationship. Okay, here's why. Anytime in your Bible, fun fact about your Bible, anytime in your Bible that you see a name repeated twice, it's always a a sign of relationship. It's a beckoning of relationship. So God says, Abraham, Abraham. He says, Moses, Moses. He says, Mary, Mary. In Exodus 34, he's actually going to proclaim his name, and he says, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. Hey, any, anytime something is repeated twice, it's this beckoning of relationship. It's a call to relationship. So he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses replies, here I am. Verse 5 of chapter 3, it says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Okay, this is what happened in, in this story right here, right? Remember, um, we got Pharaoh, and he comes into town, and he asks where Moses was, and, and that red-headed gal, she points out, and then Pharaoh burns down her tent, and then the scene goes out into the desert, and you see Moses drawing near to the burning bush, and then what does God say? He says, take off your, your boots, right? Sandals, boots, right? For the sake of the Western, homie wasn't wearing sandals, okay? So he goes, take off your boots. Now, why, friends, why would God say, take off your boots? Because this is holy ground, Again, if you're taking notes, just, just write that word holy down, H-O-L-Y, and just write equals set apart. Hey, the, the God of the, of the video that we just watched, this God Jaira, the God of Exodus chapter three, who's introducing himself to Moses here. Hey, this God is demonstrating what his character's like, who he is like. 
And here's the reality of Moses at this point. Hey, according to the scriptures, according to the Bible, at this point in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is 80 years old. Okay? This is kind of a nuts fact about Moses. He's 80 years old, okay? And if you know your Bible, if you've been around this book, if you've been around the church before, right? Moses, uh, he was put into, or how many of you have seen the movie Prince of Egypt? You seen that movie? Okay? Arguably one of the greatest soundtracks of all time, okay? Moses gets put in this little like reed basket. He gets floated down the Nile River. And then uh, remember in the opener, you saw up here that Moses was living with Pharaoh, as his brother, and then Moses kind of has this moment of crisis where he's watching the Egyptians mistreat his people, and he knows at, by birth he's an Israelite, but he was raised by the Egyptians. Hey, this happens, this kind of goes on for about 40 years in Moses' life. So he's raised as an Egyptian for 40 years, and then he actually, in the text, he murders any, an Egyptian guard because that guard was mistreating an Israelite slave. And he murders the Egyptian guard, and then he runs out into the desert, and he spends about 40 years out in the desert, and he's 80 years old before he's going to encounter God. Don't miss that, friends. If you're sitting here at like 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, and you think, man, like, I got I to gotta know more about this God or I don't really know this God or I don't know much about him or I feel like maybe I know a lot about him up here but I haven't experienced him much. Moses is 80 before he meets God. 80. That's a lot of life. That's a long time before he comes face to face with God. But when he does come face to face with God, the first thing God is going to describe himself is one, as relational, as loving. Remember, Moses, Moses. And then two, he says, I'm holy. I'm set apart. Hey, if you fast forward in the text, for the sake of time, don't turn there, but I'm gonna read it for you. I, I wanna just read you a snippet from Exodus chapter 33. Hey, this is later on in Moses' life. It's later on in, in, in Moses' relationship with this Jira. But he's having a conversation with this same God that he met in, in the burning bush. And in Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, he says, if your presence, Yahweh, if your presence, Jira, if it does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and pleased with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people in the face of the earth? And the Lord says to Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. In Exodus 33, God says to Moses, I know you by name. In Exodus 33, remember what God says to him? He draws near to the bush and God says, Moses, Moses. In Exodus 33, he says, I know you by name. Then Moses says, now show me your glory. And the Lord's response is, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he says, don't miss this. If the person's next to you is sleeping, give him a little elbow right here. Don't miss this, friends. This is what God says. Hey, in Exodus 33, this is what God says. He says, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Y'all, don't, don't miss this, okay? How many of you go to a private Christian school? Okay, cool, cool. 
Cool. Same. I was K through 12, okay? Private Christian, oh, sorry, I lied. That's something private Christian school kids shouldn't do, okay? <laughs> I was second grade through 12. So guess what? I'd heard this story before. Anybody else in here? Okay, cool. I, I, I went to chapel. I, I read my Bible. I, I went to church. I got it. And friends, if I'm being honest with you, going to private Christian school, it's really easy to, to read things in the Bible and hear things read even from a guy up front and just go, mm-hmm, for sure, mm-hmm. Y'all, do you realize how bananas it is that somebody could make the statement, nobody shall see my face and live? <laughs> like, that is the most awesome statement anybody could ever make. It's like, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you, but don't be mistaken. Nobody can even look me in the face and survive it. You know how wild that is? Right? There's, there's moments in your Bible, right, when angels show up. You know this. You've read this before. What is the first thing an angel says every time they show up? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Okay? Like every time. When an angel shows up on the scene, do not be afraid. Which leads me to believe that angels got to be like somewhat terrifying. Like nobody has ever looked at an angel and been like, sup. Right? Like when you look at an angel, there's... there's fear that's cast into an angel because every time they go hey do not be afraid even when angels show up like in when jesus resurrects from the grave the angels show up and there's these like big bad roman soldiers that have been raised as soldiers from birth that's what they do professionally and when angels show up on the scene they literally just faint as if dead people like that's how terrifying angels are y'all there's like multiple points in scripture, Isaiah chapter six, Revelation chapter four, where angels are in the presence of this God and they're covering their face with their wings and they're flying and they're just chanting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. He is so set apart. He is so mighty. He is so worthy. He is so other than. Nobody can even look at his face and survive. But friends, you know what you and I do all the time? We can walk into church, we can come to camp, we can open up his book, we can even sing worship songs. Y'all know the song Jaira? Jaira, you are enough. You don't know that song? Y'all, like, I'm a youth pastor, and so I, I work with students, and it's so easy to get used to this God. It's so easy to walk into his presence and to sing worship songs and to open up the Bible and to read a verse like nobody shall look at my face and live and just go, mm-hmm, for sure, it's God. And friends, this, this week, I don't want us to miss the divine appointment that the God of the universe has with you. Is he, does he want to draw near to you? Absolutely. Is he a God of love? Yes. Is he merciful and gracious? A hundred percent. We're going to talk about what those things mean. But friends, he is also so set apart, so other than, that he is the, 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 the commander of angel armies. Like, angels shudder in his presence. 
Let's not be people that just walk haphazardly into his presence. And you want to know why I say this? And I just want to end right here. I say this because of this. I, I, I'm going to tell you a little bit more of my story as we go throughout the week, but I, I grew up in a Christian household, in a private Christian school, believing this. I grew up thinking that to be a Christian meant that I kind of lived this boring life. There was a lot of rules, there was a lot of regulations, the Bible talked about a lot of things, and I kind of had to live this boring life, but I got to go to heaven at the end. And if there was a heaven and there was a hell, it was like, hell sounds terrible, and so I will choose the boring life now because I want to go to heaven someday. And so I believe the opposite. Like, I I looked at all my friends. I grew up playing sports. I I played soccer, basketball, and volleyball in high school. I played soccer in college. I looked at all my friends playing sports, and I thought to myself, like, man, they seem to be having a lot more fun. Like, the people, my friends that were non-Christians, they didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in the Bible. They didn't believe in Jesus. They seemed to be having a lot more fun doing what they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, how they wanted to do it. I was like, man, you're having all the fun but I know that that's going to lead to hell. And so I guess I'll choose boring now and heaven someday rather than having fun and going to hell. That's the lie I grew up believing until I actually dove into this book and started learning about the God that Moses draws near and the reason Moses can walk back into town. I love the scene at the end of that movie, at the end of the the little movie that we just watched where he reaches for his gun. Did y'all catch that? He reaches for his gun and what's not there? His gun, right? You don't walk into a gunfight without a gun, right? He walks back into town and he's like, oh gosh, okay. Like, I don't have a gun. And he's standing there and he puts it back and he's like, okay. And what does he have to go back to? He's got to go back to God's words to him. I will be with you. I am who I am. Which, you know what that means? Who I was yesterday, I am today, and I will be tomorrow. You can bank on it. You can count on it. Because the Bible is not just a story about what happened. It's a story about what happens. So friends, do you know how I got to the point in my life that I stopped believing the lie that to be a Christian meant boring, rule-following, Ugh, just religiosity. I had to dive into this book and I had to ask who this God was that is so set apart, so other than, and learn who he was and what he has for me. Because in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that you might have life and life abundant. And this week, I can't wait to dive into what that life and life abundant actually is. But friends, every single one of us has a divine appointment this week. The question is, are you going to lean in this week? Are you going to open up this book and maybe for the first time in a long time, be open and honest and willing to share where you're actually at, what's actually going on? Not just that you know the right answers up here. Not just that you've heard this story before. Right? Not that you just might know about God, but what's what's actually happening in your life. Who is this God? And if he actually is who he says he is, it should change every part of who we are. This week, friends, I commit to you two things. One, we're gonna open up this book and ask who is God. And two, I'm gonna treat you like adults. 
Hey, I, I work with, with ninth graders, eighth graders, ninth graders, and tenth graders at home, and, and I believe this about y'all. Right? I, I believe wholeheartedly you're ready to make adult decisions, and this week I'm gonna treat you like adults. I'm not gonna dumb it down. I'm not gonna go, listen, boys and girls. That's not what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open up God's word. I'm gonna tell you about who he is and what he promises for you and your life if you lean in, if you surrender to him. It's the greatest journey you could ever go on. I can't wait to dive into more of these videos. I can't wait to dive into God's word. I love you guys. I'm stoked for this week. Let me pray for us, and we're gonna be done for the night, okay? God, thank you for, the, for your word. God, thank you that it is true. God, that it was true yesterday, that it is true today, it'll be true tomorrow. God, I ask this week that you would show up in this place. God, I believe wholeheartedly that you have something for each and every one of us this week. God, maybe we've surrendered our lives to you before. God, maybe we're walking with you intimately. And God, yet I, I still ask this week that we would take one more step in faithfulness. Would you reveal something else about yourself, about your character this week? God, and maybe if, if we're sitting in this room and we're far off from you, God, maybe we have doubts or fears, or hurts, or pains. God, whatever we bring into camp this week, God, I just ask that you would meet us exactly where we're at. God, thank you for loving us right where we stand. We don't have to clean up to come to you. God, that you love us deeply. Thank you that we can draw near to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this place. We love you. In your name we pray.